Welcome to Deconversion Therapy, where we are not therapists, but we're here with all news Elvis all the time. Well, no, this is just the second part to seeing Elvis's life through the eyes of religion, and we're going to get into some of the conspiracy stuff also. If you didn't listen to the first one, of course, go back, and you can find everything down below in the show notes. Also, if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, we're starting to send out every time we post an episode, we're going to put the media that goes with it, the photos, the recordings, the YouTube posts, in an email and send it out each week so you can have things to look at if you also want to dig further. So don't forget to sign up for that. That is free. There's also a paid version, but you would get that for free. And now on with the show, Elvis has entered the building. I had to, okay? So do you remember the movie Honeymoon in Vegas? Barely. Okay, it sounds like what you're saying, like when somebody commands that you be an audience with them or something like that, like when a man wants a woman, they send an emissary to come gather her up. That's what it was with James Caan. And he was like, oh, my God, that woman at the pool looks just like my dead wife who I loved so much. And it was Sarah Jessica Parker. And so he brings brings her into his room and he's like, hey, I think we should get married. And I think that I can provide you a fantastic life, but it does have an Elvis correlation. Remember, this was hilarious to me. They had a plane full of Elvis impersonators skydiving out of the plane and they landed in Vegas and they all were of the era when Elvis would wear white jumpsuits and capes. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And we're going to get into that. Okay. The other correlation though. Mm-hmm. James Kahn was married to someone who had dated Elvis. Of course. Because I was just reading that, and I'm like, holy shit. So, you know, he liked to do whatever he was doing. I don't know if he was talking. I don't know if he's laying hands and praying that their spleens grow. I don't know. He was doing a lot of things. But he also, in Graceland, like, conducted Bible studies. He was very... Yeah religious in that way, but he also was always saying, like, I'm disappointing God. Now I'm going to get into some of his... Correct. Correct. Yeah. Now I'm going to get into some of his closest friends that were in his mafia stuff who, dare I say, loved them some limelight. Because I have heard so many fucking stories. So first there's Billy Stanley. Billy Stanley was his stepbrother. So after his mother died, the father got remarried, and in Mm -hmm. came these younger boys. One of them was Billy. He came to our church and did this whole thing, and our church would bring in these, quote, biggish people. That was as big as we got. (laughs) In those days, that was it, though. Bonnie, that we, yeah. What, who else? It we didn't have Kanye. So anyway, they brought in Billy Stanley. He told the story that the night before Elvis died, he prayed with him and he rededicated his life to Jesus. Right. And we were all like, oh, "Thank well, goodness!" Exactly. Just in the nick of time, mm-hmm. Billy Stanley has come out 
with a book in the last few years. It's called The Faith of Elvis. Ready? Mm -hmm. The Story Only a Brother Can Tell. And you're just like, oh, because they weren't, were they not really brothers or stuff? But okay. He and all the videos that I had to see of him with his Uh veneers does not once tell that story. And I'm like, (laughs) that was the story. That was the story, wasn't it? Yeah. But he does talk. He's like, you know, Elvis was the Bible carrying type of Christian. He always had a Bible with him. He always had it everywhere. And Billy says, in fact, it was my job to carry the Bible on tour when he wasn't carrying it. I'm like, how are you the center of this story? He wasn't story? carrying Very it. Okay. Interesting. So he met Elvis when he was seven. Elvis was 25. And he talked about, you know, they were playing pool in the living room. We walked in and people parted to the side. For Elvis, yeah. and he picked us up, all three of us. And right away, I'm going, he said at the same time, I'm already going, how do you do that? Anyway, <laughs> and he said, these are my new brothers. According Aww. to Billy, Elvis had a devil on one shoulder, an angel on the other, and he was always praying for strength and wisdom. Yeah. Um, but listen to this. This is Billy who, I don't know if you know this, but only a brother can tell this story about Elvis. He had a near-death experience. According to his interview, he was dead for 10 minutes. Um, Totally fine now. And when he was dead, he saw Elvis. He saw a city of gold. He saw Mm -hmm. all these things, and and Elvis was there for him. And Elvis was like, I'm going to wait for you and all this stuff. I thought, well, that's very interesting. Um, everything Billy said was was Billy-centric. Um, but he also talked about right before Elvis's death, he had been talking to Billy, and he had just taken off his karate gloves. Karate will come in later. And he <laughs> popped a blister. And this is what Billy is telling me on the video. And I'm okay. about to shut it down because <laughs> he is focusing on the fucking blister popping. And he said, you know what he asked me? It was right before he died. He said, do you think God can forgive us for anything? And okay, that became, again, the very timely thing. He didn't say, and then we sat down and we prayed for him to rededicate his life, like he told us at church that he said. But at the same time, when he's doing these interviews, and they're all on TBN and with all these Christian bro podcasts, I'm like, all he was saying is how close to God Elvis was. Then why would he ask such a basic question the night before he died? Do you think God can forgive us for anything? I'm like, that just sounds too fictional and too, I don't know, too Too convenient. Too written, too scripted. (laughs) You think this is scripted? (laughs) Wait till you hear about Larry Geller, the writer slash hairstylist. (laughs) Oh, okay, great. (laughs) Spiritual guy. So you see this guy pop up in movies. He did his hair, 
and dyed it black and did all that. But he also was, during that time in the 60s especially, you know, the Beatles were doing all their LSD and getting spiritual. And it was a lot more common to talk about gurus and different things. And Elvis would read all those books once Larry introduced them to him. And okay. we'll tell you about that because I don't know if you're going to be surprised, but Larry does interviews where he is the center of the story <laughs> and Elvis's belief system. Okay. So, yeah. So supposedly the night before Elvis died, <laughs> this is where you do the like re rewind sound. Yeah. And you what? see it from a different angle. But yeah. it's not a different angle. It's just all different so people who he say was they with were his part brother, of it. So he was with his brother, Billy, the night before he died. Right. But he was also with... Uh, also. Uh, yes. Yeah. So they're all, they're all at Graceland. And okay. they're taking a little break from the tour. And I guess they had different phone numbers because Elvis called down to Larry and was like, Hey, you know, and they were just joking around or something like that. Larry said very seriously to this crowd, he's sitting at some Elvis fest. I don't know what it is that I'm watching on YouTube. And he said, you know, Elvis sounded totally different. He sounded so young and okay. he didn't need to say anything. I knew exactly what was going on. That what was night. going on? What was happening? I get Larry, Larry must have known that he was dying, <laughs> that he was going through something. Oh, whoa, whoa. Okay. All right. So here is Larry on this stage. You know when someone overacts a story that you're telling you that they're saying, and it's, oh, my gosh. So, you know, it's how many years later Larry's on this stage, and he is like, and then... And he has to lean against the microphone stand holding it. Right. And he's like, <sighs> you know, bringing all this drama in. I wish I was there. And I wanted to say, what about when, is this when he was with Billy popping his blister? Okay. So, <laughs> so, yeah, he's had years to perfect the telling of this story about the night before Elvis died. Absolutely. Okay. So the next thing you know, they're waking everybody up. Hey, Elvis, Elvis is dead. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Elvis was holding the book that Larry had lent him or given him because yeah. that was what Larry did is while Billy was carrying his Bible, I guess, Larry right. was providing him with all those, you know, autobiography of a guru, the prophet by Khalil Gibran and what he was holding at that time when he died on the toilet was a scientific search for the face of Jesus by Franco Adams that was about the Shroud of Turin that was later proven okay. incorrect. He was also into the Cairo Book of Numbers, you know, the numerology. So he was mixing up a lot of these things because he was a seeker, you know. He wanted to know right. more. A lot of people felt, that that was his downfall, you know, when they're thinking spiritually. But, of course, a lot of people also said he got rid of a lot of the books Larry gave him. 
mm-hmm. because they put themselves in the center, but not Larry. So Larry gets called down to the morgue that night or whatever, and they're like, you have to do his hair. You have to dye his hair. So right. he talks about Aww. how he put mascara in his hair and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, and then right before they close the casket, leans against the thing. He goes, mm. as the lid went down, I told myself, Larry, do it. Do it, Larry. And I put my hand in and I touched Elvis and it closed. I was the last person to touch Elvis Presley. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. oh, good, Larry. Good. I'm glad it was about <laughs> you. And during all of this, he's saying, you know, just all this other, I don't know if I should tell you guys, you know what, I'm going to do it. Elvis told me, always tell the truth, Larry. But he said, the last things thing Elvis ever said to me was, Angels fly because they take themselves so lightly. That just, to me, seems like a little bit of a pun. I know. Oh, my God. I know. I'm like, that's that's like a Dixie (sighs) Cup joke in those days. Right, right. Larry, these guys are absolutely proving themselves to be who Elvis thought they weren't. What Elvis needed is for people not to use his, you know, name and all that. And I think that's why everyone's like, oh, he had such a bad life because he was being used by his manager, Colonel Tom or whatever his dude was. And now, like these people are just... He had a big entourage of people who were feeding off the whole system. And they blame Priscilla. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure everybody had a little hand in the blame on that. Um, mm-hmm. Let me just refresh your memory. Whenever we would go to the supermarket right after mm-hmm. he died, it, it was for years. He was the front page of the National Enquirer. Yeah. Where, where And there were conspiracy theories and they would do whatever they could to make anything into a story but there was one episode or episode there was one issue of the national Enquirer that was giant and it had somebody had taken a picture of him in the casket yep, and that yep. was like the thing we were all like oh my gosh we've got to go out and buy this and hold on to <laughs> yeah. it for some reason um it was it, it it was a huge huge deal because when he died what was he like 42 he was 40 which fucking is, two. Yeah, which is crazy young. And let me tell you my personal experience with it. I was over at my grandmother's house and my mm-hmm. mom was sitting in the kitchen with her and I heard it on the news because I'm sure I was watching Gilligan's Island and something busted in with, uh, we got breaking news here that Elvis Presley died. So I went into the kitchen. I'm like, you guys, they just said Elvis Presley died. Oh, no, that's not impossible. And they just dismissed it. And I was like... I remember I was so young, but at the same time, I was like, (laughs) you guys, you have to believe me when I say things. (laughs) I declare the truth. (laughs) Elvis said to Larry Geller, always tell the truth, and I am here. And I'm doing it. What do you get? Mine. (laughs) I have have some 
this is not star power, it's just joking. But I've already said, like, my mom's best friend at that time was Burt Reynolds' sister-in-law, Joe, and she and my mom were together. I was at someone's house Mm -hmm. that I will tell you offline, and... Yeah, because it wasn't my mine not being believed nope. at my grandmother's house. Yeah. I got picked up early by my mom mm-hmm. and Joe because they were together. And Joe had gotten a call saying Elvis died. And then I think she told <laughs> the other people there. That was enough to there. get a kid picked up early. It was. That's hilarious. Not only did they tell all the people there, but then later, you know, then within... A few minutes, it was on the radio. Like, every radio stopped, all what yeah. they were playing. Everyone was talking about it because it was so young. It was unbelievable, etc. And my mom was such a fan of Elvis mm-hmm. that we would have the 8-track tapes. And when she was driving, a fast song would have us going 70 with some beats <laughs> put into the accelerator. That's and funny. The, the slower songs was slower. I mean, we actually, my brother and I had to tell my mom how dangerous it was for right. her to listen to Elvis while driving because we felt our lives were at li- risk when suspicion <laughs> came on. You know, we had to, or suspicious minds, whatever it was, but <laughs> we were horrified. Um, oh but yeah, it was a huge story, and a lot of people are like, oh, it's such a tragic story, but. Again, you know, hey, it's fame, and a lot of people didn't know about fame. And, and it was his drugs they later later found because it constipated him so much. Remember oh. this part? The, he had to make a lot of effort, and he had a heart oh. attack. Oh, Everyone was afraid to push on the toilet for years <laughs> after we heard that. No joke. Oh, my god! It gosh. was horrifying. Well, it— and when they call him the king, the king of rock and roll, back then, I would say maybe we had 10 people who were as big as that. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. And it was like the Pope, the president <laughs> of the United States, the Beatles, Elvis, the Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And, right. you know, there were it was maybe a handful and a half of people who were that it, oh my gosh, we were just that part of the fabric of our society. Yeah, yeah. It was and so big. because we didn't have a lot of choices with channels, he actually did the first satellite concert so everyone oh, in the world could see. And he did it from Hawaii and all that. <laughs> now, his costumes, yeah. he was really into karate. So they yeah. were inspired by karate outfits. And we're going to talk about some people he was close to where he influenced their outfits, too. But first, I'm going to talk about how he would talk to uh, spiritual, quote, leaders, church leaders like Pat Boone. Yeah. uh, Who was like this straight-laced Christian singer in the day. And he would say how much he struggled being a public person and trying to have his, you know, whole uh, persona connected to the Elvis, and he wanted to be Elvis Presley and all that. And there was a time in his life where he changed from Elvis Presley to Elvis. I preferred the Elvis Presley side of things. 
But he knew what he had <laughs> to do <laughs> to play yeah. up. The other person who was a big influence, who he talked to all the time and even said, you know, that he wanted to be a preacher at one time was someone who attended our church, Rex Humbard, yeah. who was this big old man Christian leader. And when he was <laughs> down in Florida, he would go to our church. That does not narrow it down enough. Old man Christian leader. <laughs> I know. All of them back I then. know. If you know, <laughs> I mean, just the name of Rex yeah. Humbard. But some things that he said in the day Elvis did was, I never expected to be anybody important. Maybe I'm not now, but whatever I am, whatever I will become will be what God has chosen for me. So right. you combine these fatalistic things with all of that, and it just makes it worse and worse. So he said to, now, of course, this is the people saying this is what he said, and we grew up in church and know that a lot of things that were said to other people were <laughs> twisted in a way that would make a good sermon. So another pastor, right. James Hamill, said that Elvis said, Pastor, I'm the most miserable young man you've ever seen. I've got all the money I'll ever need to spend. I've got millions of fans. I've got friends. But I'm going, but I'm doing what you taught me not to do, and I'm not doing the things you taught me to do. Is that fucking not such lines? That is Elvis <laughs> and casual conversation with someone he knows yeah. going through his life story that the guy would already know I have money, I have friends, and then putting again that pastor the center. Because I'm doing things you taught me I shouldn't do. Right, right. Rather than I'm not living Although, by the Bible. I believe all of these things are, it's possible that he said all of these things. He probably talked a lot. He probably had a lot of guilt. I think Elvis. so too. I, I, I totally, totally. Um, he also, there was this gospel singer, J.D. Sumner, who said, that one time a woman came up to him and was like, you're the king. And Elvis took her hand, smiled, and told her, no, honey, I'm not the king. Christ is the king. I'm and just a singer. I, I totally believe he said that, too. <laughs> I oh, am of the point now where I believe everything. Well, because now I'm upset. <laughs> I'm upset that Elvis spoke like that. It's much too obvious. So here we start getting into some fun stuff. This is one, Alan Z. Osmond. We already covered the Osmonds. And oh. what was interesting is Elvis really liked them because they were such a family. And his mother had died, so he loved their mother, Olive. Yeah, I'm and sure. And, you know, I think that's all he wanted in life was a family because— yeah. He didn't have one. That's why he always had people around him. He loved the Osmonds, and the Osmonds dress like normal fucking human beings before Elvis. <laughs> after I Elvis, don't know, Karen. <laughs> after Elvis, they started dressing in Elvis-like jumpsuits. They were not jumpsuits. jumpsuit people. Yeah, they were not jumpsuit people before. Yeah, with like rhinestone decorations yeah. and very vibrant colors. 
Yeah. Exactly. And jumpsuits. Oh my gosh. Jumpsuits. Elvis to be able to start a jumpsuit. Yeah. Phenomenon. Yeah. 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 So Elvis also influenced their music, including the song Wild Horses. The one that you said was actually good. That one is like a hard rocking song. And and it is good. It is good. They're kind of underrated. I'm sorry. And that's what... (laughs) Don't hate me. (laughs) They said that Elvis was a total influence on that and all this stuff. And he helped their career. He's the one that said, y'all need to change what you're wearing, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) So they felt very close to him. And I want you to hear what Alan Osmond said, May 29th, 2017. Because this was hidden from all of us, Bonnie. Let me know if you can hear this. Okay. I want to tell you a little story about Elvis Presley. Elvis used to, you know, we worked at the Hilton Hotel where he did. And many a time when we're doing rehearsals or, you know, or even the show, the stage manager would say, Osmond's, uh, the boss is upstairs. That meant Elvis was up in the light booth and he was watching us. Well, we go out there and we wore the same jumpsuits he did. In fact, we hired the same guy to make his. We found out he liked it, by the way, thank heavens. But anyway... We performed, and, and we got together. He called us on the phone. Every opening night, he'd give us a big guitar shaped, made out of flowers. And we got on the phone and one time and had a, at least a half-hour call, and he said, he talked about, he said, you know, I love my mother. She was passed away. He said, I always wanted to be a preacher, too. I learned some wonderful things about that guy. And um, at one point, of course, we met him a few times, but he said, I'd love to have a party over at my house. Would you and your family come for a barbecue? Of course, we said yes. And it was only a couple weeks before that was to take place that he passed away. After he did, there was a fan came up to me. He says, Alan, I've got something here that uh, belongs to Elvis Presley. I says, you're kidding. He says, I think he would really want your family to have it because he talked a lot about you. I said, what is it? She showed me it was a Book of Mormon. It was a, one of those blue ones, you know, you remember where they had, you open up a little paperback? And she said, uh, her father didn't want it around his house and gave it back to me, and I think Elvis would want your family to have it. So she gave me this book, and I couldn't believe it. And, and I said, we want to make sure. And she showed me pictures of her with Elvis and how she had given it to him. He had a lot of various uh, questions. He, didn't, he couldn't go out in normal hours, so he came around 2 to 4 in the morning. And she was there and gave it to him. He signed the book. And in the front, remember the pictures of the gold plates that are in there on the very front? He wrote on it, gold records, real ones. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah. And uh, he had a lot of gold records, but these were real gold plates. And, uh, and then he wrote in there, too. He says, I know this in my heart to be true. And write it on the sides, you know, and underneath. And he says, yes, yes, True. And then over he said that about you shouldn't have kings, no more kings in the land. He says, "Me too." <laughs> he was always he was called the king. But a really interesting thing towards the back on the bottom it says, "My daughter Lisa is nine years old. She needs this church. Help her." Yeah. Well, we took the book, and uh, and when a lot of people looked at it, and you, I could sense there was a, a lot of people wanted it. I said, nothing's going to happen to this. And so he went to my wife's second cousin, Rex Pinniger, and asked, and uh, we gave the book to him. And it is in the uh, archives of the church today. We made one copy. 
And my brother Donnie helped me get that to Lisa in just the last couple of years. But anyway, if you ever worry about being in the business and not accepted, you say, well, Elvis thinks we're okay. <laughs> okay. So, I think what, <laughs> I would me, be careful I, on what you think here. That's all I'll say. <laughs> no, I think these uh, Elvis and, and the people around him were just people who were searching. They just seemed so in need of something solid. Well, let me tell you the rest of the story, Bonnie. Okay. So this was put in the LDS, or Latter-day Saints, archives at, like, BYU Mm -hmm. in 1989. And Uh they made a copy. They gave it to Lisa Marie. And there was actually an LDS movie made called Tears of a King, The Latter Days of Elvis. Because he supposedly wanted to be baptized in the Mormon church. And this didn't get around in mainstream church for a lot of people because no one would want Elvis to be a Mormon. We wanted to say he was Christian. And this movie was made using some of the writings that he had jotted down, Elvis had jotted down in this Bible. Well, it wasn't like the whole Book of Mormon. It was the little annotated blue one or whatever it was. So you mean, so by then, writings, you mean me too? Yeah, exactly. And me. He wrote it one, <laughs> someone said about worshiping idols, and he wrote fans equal, yeah. you know, like he was trying to write all these things. Well, it wasn't until, I don't know, 2018, remember, 1989, 2018, that a journalist was like, let's verify that. (laughs) I'll let you Uh, guess. Things didn't need to be verified back then. (laughs) I'll let you guess that this was in their archives and no one thought to even do a handwriting analysis. A movie was made saying that he wanted to be a Mormon and he was touched by the Book of Mormon. No one ever looked at it. But yeah, and then, of course, when he said, my Lisa needs this church. So they've given it to Lisa Marie. How many years or decades did she think that her father wanted her to go to the Mormon church? How many times did she read the book to go, all right. This, you know, I miss my dad or whatever. It was all a forgery. It was absolutely untrue. And they finally took it out of the LDS archives, seriously, like a few years ago, maybe in the 2020s. It was, um, you know, embarrassing. Um, There's so much nonsense in the world. There's just so much nonsense in the world. And when you're at the top like that, it's just got to be compounded by the the position that you're in with everybody telling you that you can do no wrong. And it, he needed to be grounded. Oh, this, it, I don't know. Right. Just the chaos right. surrounding so, his whole being. Yeah. It's yeah. such a shame so for his family. So supposedly Alan and the other people, <laughs> the other Osmonds, 
had really believed it also, and they were really disappointed and sad to hear that it was all a forgery because, right. again, you hear what you want to hear. You believe what you want to believe. We believed that Elvis rededicated his life the night before right. he died. Right. Um, now we're here hearing all other sorts of things. Who forged it? The weird thing is not only does nobody know, but Alan was like, I met the woman. Her name is, and it says in parentheses, Cricket. So okay, I guess she told it. them her name was Cricket. Okay. She showed pictures of her and Elvis. And so people were just like, yeah, it's true. Maybe uh, that I, explains the quality of the writing. Me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> but I mean, wouldn't you I'm know sorry. when it's like, I'm going to die. Me too. I don't know. I think it's pretty. Ugh. Oh. Well, why we oh. ended up covering this is my favorite part of this. Okay. And that is our dear Pastor Bob Joyce. So Bob Joyce is a pastor who people really believe is Elvis. Robert oh. Joyce has come out and said, I am not Elvis. But that does uh -huh. not matter to people. He's in a small town in Arkansas. People keep challenging him to identify himself and to admit He's the king of rock and roll because, like you said, there were a bunch of conspiracy theories that he didn't die. And that's why they put his death face on the newspapers that everyone said he's faking it. He just looks asleep, which is the goal mm -hmm. of the embalmer, sadly. Now, that is, to me, the ultimate plot for any famous person who died is that they have faked yeah. their own death. To me, that is that is the dream plot. And P.S. people go watch the movie Eddie and the Cruisers if you want to be very, very <gasps> that satisfied. That was my favorite movie. Loved I that loved movie. that movie. Yeah. And I love Michael Perret because of it. And I'm like, where is he? I love him. I will follow him to the ends of the earth. But I did not. I followed Jesus to the mission field. Okay, so... The guy that started this is some guy named Tom Manel or something. Now, if you get on our document with me, Bonnie. Yeah, I am. Um, you can see down where I started putting pictures that Tom said, I've been an Elvis fan since I was six years old. I'm 61. To me, Mr. Joyce is Elvis, and I hope one day he will stand up and say who he is. <laughs> there are other people that go to Bob's church because the guy sings like him, talks like him. And they wrote like a funny song that was way too long to listen to called Elvis in My Head, Pastor Bob in My Heart. There are tons of videos that people yeah. post that show them side by side, Elvis and this dude, Robert Joyce. One says... Hey, people who still think Bob is an Elvis, this two-minute video of Bob Joyce <laughs> references he, referencing his old life, even his mom, Gladys Presley. So they listen to oh his gosh. sermons. Mm -hmm. They disseminate whatever they can. So let's read. If you come down here to page this, it's not saying what page it is. But it, at the top of the little picture, it says fans of Bob Joyce, which is a one of the many Facebook groups. Okay. We can read this together. 
I'll read the post, and you can we can take turns reading the comments. At the top, it says fans of Bob Joyce. Yeah, and this fans one of Pastor was just, Bob Joyce. Okay, there you go. And this was actually just on December twenty third of this last year. The guy goes, yeah. being clear, I'm not Bob Joyce. This is a fan page because I believe Elvis Presley is Pastor Bob Joyce for many reasons. So go ahead and read some of the comments under that. Yep, he is Elvis. Do your own research, people. <laughs> <laughs> and then Patricia says, it's him. But Elvis the person, not Elvis the icon, entertainer, legion. Legion, okay, legend. <laughs> Let him live for God now and appreciate his offerings. He has given us so much. Oh, my God. What about Rayetta? She says, God is great. Wait and see who's alive. Time to wake up. So, I mean, oh there gosh. are so many people. You can yeah, read the next one by Steve. Yeah. The next one just brings in um, the crazy, and you'll see what I mean. There's a reason he comes and goes at Graceland as he pleases and knows guys like Donald Trump and other prominent Las Vegas <laughs> figures. We won't get into the scars and ears matching up perfectly. Oh, my God. My that's God. hilarious. Oh, but Karen. Karen, what, what? if... What if it's his twin brother and his mom had actually given one baby away because she could only afford really to keep one? And uh, he was 20 years younger. Yes. Is, <laughs> I know. So that's yes. what a lot of people say. They're like, maybe it was his twin. Yes. And then Michelle says, I believe it is him for many reasons. I've watched his sermons and he gives hints that he's Elvis. I know it sounds crazy, Carol mm -hmm. says, yes, I believe also. And Shelly says, after seeing and hearing him at his church, so people drive to this church, I yeah. do believe it is Elvis. My mom is a true believer. Like, how do you get oh, people Oh, well, as long soul? as your mother thinks so, it must be the word of God. Yeah, yeah. Now, I copied just a few of the Facebook groups. One is called... <gasps> Elvis Aaron Presley Alive. There are 5,000 members. Well, this one, there's 10,000 members. Elvis Aaron Presley Alive oh under Bob Joyce. <gasps> oh, my the God. The 5,000-member five, 5, ones, Elvis Alive is Bob Joyce. Uh, one and a half thousand pastor Bob Joyce fan group. Oh, um, my God. Elvis Presley is Bob Joyce, has nearly 10,000 members, 17,000 are just oh called, one's called Bob Joyce and Jesus. Bob Joyce's Elvis Believers Group at 7.5 thousand. It goes on and on. <laughs> the, wait, the last one cracks me up though. 148 members. Like, <laughs> he actually released something saying, you know what? I am not Elvis, but if my singing the hymns and people are clicking on it and it touches right. them for Jesus, then that's okay. And I'm like, The greater no. good. The greater good, Karen. It's the greater good. That's what is it? Dominionism? Right. Seven Doesn't Mountains Doesn't matter if mandate. it's crazy or not. Yeah. And that's the thing. Is the greater good to keep people believing a lie and to let them believe something that is yes. so out there yes. that it's beneficial. I'm just like, yes, how it in is. the world? 
doesn't matter how you get the word out as long as it's out. There was one thing that some guy called the spa guy or someone who has a lot of followers on YouTube. He went <laughs> to the Bob Joyce's house and knocked and I'm watching the thing and it's like, well, I woke him up and I couldn't watch That's the obnoxious. rest. Like I was so uncomfortable. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not watching. I'm not giving you a view. Oh my God. I cannot believe it. But so there are tons. Up. Yeah, there are tons of things, um, you know, that are comparing him and all that. But I'm going to let you listen to a bit of singing. And this is Bob Joyce singing How Great Thou Art. And this is why people think it's him. Okay. Let me get it up. but the parts I can hear sound very Elvis-esque. So it's this whole phenomenon, and now people are making TikToks, YouTubes, all these things about this Bob Joyce guy and how it's him, and people are saying there's no way that this guy who's 61 would look, <laughs> would be Elvis, if Elvis now would be like 88 and blah, blah, blah. They have answers for everything. They're of like they plastic do. surgery. That's why he's in hiding. He always said he wanted to be a pastor. He always like all this fucking stuff. They look at the face. They do all this. And I'm thinking it's sad and it's pitiful that they want him to be like this. And some people are like how Elvis is God. Like they're doing a little bit of the Trumpiness, obviously. I'm sure they all vote for Trump. And don't you wonder if this Bob guy has actually taken a razor to his face to make scars that would line up? (laughs) For the greater good, they're going to come to God if they think I'm Elvis. At first, I know. I was totally thinking, well, this guy is telling people he's not Elvis. But at the same time, you're obviously not saying it loud enough and you keep doing things that would make people like this believe you're fucking Elvis. So right. uh, you obviously like a little bit of it in some way. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This is the last thing I want to say about Priscilla. I had to okay. watch a lot of things with her. I know she's had a lot of plastic surgery. I mm-hmm. have not landed on a personality yet. When she talks, so what was happening is First, she said she had an affair with, ironically, the karate instructor that Elvis had put her with because he was obsessed with karate. She, I think his name was Mike Stone. Now, there were rumors that Elvis put a hit out on the guy and so forth. Priscilla said that Elvis said, well, this is how a wife should be made love to. And then he raped her. She has later retracted that totally and said that 
didn't happen and that they even held hands while they were getting a divorce. So there is not any kind of clear anything from Priscilla. She continues to say, he was a deep man. He was a wonderful man. She's on all these things. And of course, she's now in charge of Graceland to people who don't like that, the posse, the people who write books, only a brother can say. Um, But (laughs) I was always neutral about her till I started looking in because even the movie Priscilla makes her a person who's been groomed. But at the age she is now, she continues to say these things that make it sound like Elvis was amazing and wonderful, but how else are you going to get on some of these shows? How else are you going to be in charge of Graceland? How else? There's not a lot that is below the surface. She, her daughter, Lisa Marie, was writing a book when she died. So the granddaughter, Riley Keough, is finishing it. And... Mm -hmm. I look forward to that because you know that Lisa Marie might be saying some things that her mother doesn't like or yeah. who knows? I don't know. I, th- I think with age comes more of an appreciation for the legacy somebody is going to leave and you not wanting to hurt that. And if you're, you're making whole, the money from it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And just, you know, it. Uh, there's just a softening that happens when you get older too. So my suspicion, like I've just decided that I think everything's true that people say. Okay. Like they can. At the same time. Yeah. 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 That can, it can be contradictory, but um, people, people, the older they get, they, they just forgive them and, and start looking for the perfect way to frame their lives and the history they have. So I, I believe both those, thing, those things are true. I think he was a very deep person, and he probably did show her how. Oh, I, I don't know. I think she fucked up and said that because everyone who knew him was like, he would never do. But at the same time, if we think everything oh, all of them are saying crazy things. is true, they, are, they were all the center of Elvis's attention, according to them. Whether it's Alan Osman, whether it's the hairdresser who gave him LSD, whether it's yeah. his stepbrother who goes to churches and gives contradicting information, they all <laughs> right. have to put themselves at the center of the story, which that to me is the sad part of Elvis's life. And I think that, like, probably a lot of people with a huge amount of charisma, he made people feel like they were the center of things. And, like... Could uh, be. Like Tom Cruise does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say sometimes, like, when somebody pays attention to you, it's like the sun is shining on you so bright. And he probably had that crazy charisma that people were able to pick up on. Yeah. I'm going to put a link um, to show you guys when this comes out. The Frank Sinatra little thing he did when he returned from Germany. Because to me, it was so sort of risque and unusual 
And he knew how to play the crowd in such a way that was so foreign. And we see it show up in fucking like today, people working on that. Harry Styles working on that to have that same connection with people that he actually could fake and do or that was really him. Yeah. Weird. And people said, you know, Elvis that you saw on stage was a real person person Elvis was the one trying to act like a person. Yeah. And maybe that's it. Who knows? But anywho, thank you. My goodness. Thank you very much. I had to. to (laughs) Okay. On that note, thank you, Karen. You're welcome. You're welcome. And let me say, (laughs) Elvis loved me. I'm the center of his attention. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 